Good to see you still amongst the living. Could I tempt you and your companion for refreshment? This is the smoking room after all. The owners keep a fully stocked bar. So it is. That bar is pretty impressive. I don't know about you, friend, but I think we deserve it. Seven realities and still no way home. Maybe we can take a break. Yes? Okay. Okay, Butler. Two whiskey doubles. On ice, please. Good choice, sir. Coming right up, have a seat and rest those weary feet just by the fire there. Don't mind if I do. Sorry, how rude of me. I'm sure that is not your real name. Malik, sir. The master's called me Malik. Malik. Nice to meet you. I'm Jim- Jimmy Horrors, yes. I know. A lot of talk about you in here. Some welcome newcomers, but others would rather see an end to you. They think that if you find your portal home, we will all be dragged through with you. Interesting. Yes. We have come across others, but they weren't any trouble. For now, yes. However, they grow impatient. Who, Malik? Who are they? Gone again. Whoa! The fire has jumped out. Think we need to get... Quick! Synthesis by Ryan Klopp Narrated by John Stinson I'm sorry. So sorry for everything that I've done and that I will do. Please believe me, I didn't want any of this to happen. You would have made the same choice listening to your family screaming inside that house. I was standing there, watching the fire grow up around them, doing everything I could and knowing that it wasn't nearly enough. I looked round for a rock or something, but there weren't any there, so I tried to break the door down with my shoulder. Nothing happened, so I kept slamming into it over and over again, but I couldn't do it. The windows were shuttered up and sealed, because we had known that a storm was coming. (laughs) Funny, isn't it? Burning to death in the rain. Except there wasn't any rain. 
It wasn't here yet. Nothing was here except for those evil winds that fed the flames. Maybe they blew something with them. Or maybe it was the blood from my fingers that was dripping onto the ground. Growing up, I've always heard that there was something special about blood. That it had some kind of magical or spiritual significance. And I was pouring enough of it onto that dirt to call up an entire legion of devils. I finally went sort of crazy, clawing at the wood like a cat, clawing even if it killed me because I couldn't sit there and do nothing while they were calling for help and, and not realizing that none was coming. I was calling back to them, telling them that it was going to be okay, telling them that I was going to save them, and then eventually reduced to wordlessly howling at the sky as I finally comprehended was there was nothing I could do. No one heard me, except for them and something else. Thinking back, that's probably how this whole thing started. It must have been drawn to me, drawn to my raw desperation. I, I don't know what it is, but I absolutely know its nature, and I know that it loves pain both physical and emotional. It might feed on our agony like some sort of vampire, or it might just love to watch us puny mortals burn. Either way, it came to me, and it was glad. If it didn't come because of my pain, it certainly did once I called it. Yes, I actually called it. Not it specifically. Just anything that could help save them, whether it was God or Satan or the goddamn flying spaghetti monster. I was lying there, sobbing and shrieking and bleeding when I felt it. I didn't understand what it was at the time. Of course I didn't. If I'd had, I would have let my family die. It kills me to say it, to even imagine that I might not have done absolutely everything in my power to save them. But the price was just too high. At least, I won't have to live with my guilt for much longer. I don't remember exactly how it appeared, or even if it did. All I know is suddenly, I felt this awful sensation in the back of my head, like someone was drilling a hole in the back of my skull and then filling it with liquid nitrogen. Oh, it hurt. It hurt so badly. But I could tell that there was something there that hadn't been before. And I tasted it. Even though there was nothing there, it tasted like strawberry. But with this indescribably vile metallic taste, I think that part may have been real because I tried to spit it out and a piece of my tongue fell out of my mouth. At the same time, I was aware of some kind of membrane floating in my mind, a bubble with something inside. It wasn't actually physically there, but I could still see it. It felt cold, so nightmarishly cold that I knew I would freeze if I touched it. I didn't have any other choice. I tried to reach into it and pull out the core, but something stopped me. As I reached for it, 
This wave of revulsion shot through my entire body, and I would have collapsed, puking my guts out. But I was trapped inside my head with the thing. I couldn't even stand. The pain was so overwhelming, but something else moved my arm. I felt some strange alien presence hovering there, watching me and offering to help me stretch out to the bubble. I knew that I couldn't do it on my own, and I didn't stop to think about what it might have been that wanted inside me. I was just too desperate, too focused on saving them, and I think it might have been messing with my mind, influencing me somehow, because this whole scene feels sort of fuzzy when I think about it. Then, all of a sudden, my arm was moving, even though it felt like it weighed a thousand pounds. I wasn't moving it. The thing was. But it wouldn't have done it without my permission. Do we have to choose to let monsters in? I don't know. If it had wanted to, it could have ripped my consciousness into a million screaming pieces and flung them into the void. But I'm also completely certain that it knew exactly how much I needed it. My finger, or its finger, there wasn't any difference anymore, grazed the surface of the bubble, almost caressing it, and my body exploded. Not literally, but it may as well have. It was it that I was touching, its physical form. If anything in that perverted dream world can be called physical. And I was feeling it. I truly experienced that demon's existence. All the thoughts and instincts and warped desires that made it into the monstrous abomination that it was, condensed into a single burst of horrific energy that shattered whatever resistance I had left. No one in the world can come close to imagining what its mind felt like. I don't care what you think now. You have never dreamed of anything even remotely comparable. Think of the most unspeakably awful thing that has ever happened to you. At one moment, you just wanted it all to end. And multiply that sensation 10,000-fold. Now, hand it to a sadistic, telepathic fiend that's bet its entire undying existence on its ability to break you. I was seeing, feeling, suffering through an immortality's worth of unspeakable atrocities in a single instant. There are literally no words in this language or any other to describe the sheer abysms of lunacy that rushed gibbering into my soul. I don't think that my corporeal body blacked out, but my mind essentially collapsed in on itself. I remember my hand jerking forward punching forward and popping the bubble. And that, there was something terrible inside. That's all. When I came to, I was lying on a bed of charred splinters. Splinters being the appropriate word because the house looked like a thousand pound bomb had gone off inside. For about 10 feet around me in every direction, there was nothing larger than a toothpick. The rubble was slightly more intact further out every piece I could see was blackened, twisted, and splintered to the point that I couldn't begin to guess what it might have been. I vaguely noticed this odd sensation in my arms, almost like a tickling feel, and looked down. 
they were totally lacerated. Shot through with so many shards of wood and metal and glass that I looked like a hunk of raw hamburger. It didn't hurt at all. There were some in my legs and torsos too, but not as many. I tried to move, but there was a two-inch spike of metal, sort of resembled part of a bedpost, pinning my right leg to the ground. I just stared at it for a second, and then I pulled it out and threw it away. It took me ten or fifteen minutes to move the rest of them, and then I stood up. I felt sort of groggy, like I was in that hazy dreamland that comes just before sleep. And it never occurred to me to question any of this, how this had happened to me or how I was still alive. The only coherent thought I can remember just kept cycling through my mind, like someone else was repeating it to me. Find a mirror. Find a mirror. Find a mirror. Eventually I came across a little bit of glass, a few inches wide, that had somehow survived the utter carnage around me and I stared into it like a man possessed, which is probably exactly what I was. To put it simply, I looked like hell. All my limbs were still attached. That was about all I could say for myself. For some reason, I wasn't concerned by all this, but I was very worried about my left hand. I held it right against my face, scrutinizing it like a priceless painting, till I found a tiny cut like a paper cut on the very tip of my ring finger. Instead of blood, I saw a tiny droplet of black fluid about to fall from it. Instantly, without any sort of warning, a wave of abject terror shot through me. My memory was kind of hazy as at that moment, all the wounds on my body suddenly registered for the first time. My hand thrust itself at my lips, hard enough to slash four red lines into my chin as I jerked back away from it. I started to scream, but my hand stuffed itself inside my mouth, choking the voice out of me. I inexplicably started to calm down, panicked breathing and heart rate slowing as the monster living in my body started to suck on my hand like a bottle. I still can't guess what the black substance might have been, but I'm sure that I was feeling the other's emotions and not my own, which means that the thing was frightened by the prospect of losing it. I think it was so afraid that it lost control of me for a second, and that's why I suddenly felt the pain from all of my injuries. Hopefully, that information means something to whoever ends up reading this. Right now, I'm sitting in an apartment, or it could be a large hotel room. I don't know how I got here, or what happened to my family. I didn't see any bodies in that flash of lucidity. So they may have been able to use the path I shredded through the house's wall to escape. There's no question that it would have killed them, but I have this feeling that it was so thrilled and excited to have a body again, to be back in the world that spit it out, that it didn't pay them any attention. I don't know why I believe that. It might just be wishful thinking, but I do. The woman who happened to be home when it was looking for a place to hide wasn't nearly so lucky. At least, I think she was a woman. It's kind of hard to tell, given that she's currently splattered through several rooms. I'm in the bedroom, next to a closed window, and I'm elated and 
terrified at the same time, elated, because for the first time since this nightmare started, it made a mistake. I'm conscious now, because it's in some sort of hibernation state. When it shut down, it partially relinquished its control over me, gave me just enough freedom to think clearly and move some of my extremities. Must have seemed harmless to it, right? After all, what could I do? Just my brain and the tips of four fingers. It can't have noticed that her computer was sitting open just a few inches from my right hand, or else it wouldn't have let me grit my teeth, silently scream from the effort of moving and start typing. Can't have realized that I would leave this log, writing everything I know or can guess about it. Someday, probably someday soon, someone's going to notice all the destruction it causes. Someone's going to come looking. And, if we're lucky, put two and two together and find this room. And when that someone arrives, I hope that this tells you what you need to know to kill the damn thing. If there's any part of me left alive when the time comes, I'll do whatever I can to help you stop it. Maybe distract it or slow it down somehow from the inside, but I doubt I'll even be conscious for much longer. Which brings me to my second point. Being terrified. I can't see my left hand. It's behind my back somewhere. I can't feel it. I can't turn my head. And I have a horrifying feeling that none of those circumstances are accidental. It has to be hibernating for a reason. Resting. Save its energy for something. I'm trying very hard to avoid imagining exactly might be about to happen back out of my field of view. One possibility keeps rising to the front of my mind. I think I'm just a phase in its life cycle. It's using my body as some kind of sick chrysalis to hold itself until the real monster is ready to be born. Coming out. You've been listening to the Night's End podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. Synthesis was written by Ryan Klopp. For more from Ryan, why not check out his debut novella, Soldier of Fortune, available from Amazon and Alban Lake Publishing. Link is in the description. This episode was narrated by John Stinson from the Spooky Tales podcast, where he and his co-host Louise chat about all things spooky. Just search the Spooky Tales podcast where you get your podcasts. Jimmy Horrors was performed by James Barnett. The Butler, now Malik, was performed by Xander from the Xander and Stone podcast, a science and supernatural podcast where they talk about all things weird. Just search for Xander and Stone wherever you get your podcasts or head over to www.xspodcast.com. This episode was edited and produced by James Barnett. And as always, stay horrific, everyone.